The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. Hello, welcome. Just put on some chapstick there. It's super chilly and dry here. I don't know where you are in the world right now, but in Western Pennsylvania, it's not snowing cold, but it's like almost there. Uh, today, we're going to start the the second episode of storytelling boot. Sorry, of story boot camp, <laughs> and uh, we're going to do a project together. Right, last time you worked on creating a fictional blurb around two hundred fifty to three hundred words, where you were putting together some different puzzle pieces that I gave you, and uh, today. We're going to actually work on a short autobiographical introduction, and I wrote one for you of a story that I'm actually working on as a Christmas present to a family member uh, who wasn't in this moment with us, who would have liked to be there in the moment with us, and you'll hear because I'm going to read the beginning of it for you. Um, So, But before I read my moment to you, I want you to understand that if you're someone who wants to write fiction and you're confused as to why I'm having you work on an autobiographical project first, I promise it's all going to make sense. You just have to trust the process, trust that I know what I'm trying to help you do, and uh, go through the exercises, do them with me, and I promise that at the end of Story Boot Camp, you will be able to write a really great short story that showcases your talents as a writer. Uh, So... The first thing that you're going to do is you're going to choose a moment that you want to write about. So for me, uh, I chose a moment where I wanted to be able to bring someone else into this memory with me. And it's like, it's a happy moment, but a sad moment at the same time. You don't have to pick anything that's like explicitly sad or awful or explicitly happy and amazing. Just pick a moment that means something. It, I'm not telling you specifically what it me- it needs to mean, but it needs to mean something to you because you're going to try to infuse it with emotion. Because if you haven't heard me say this already, the way that I measure successful writing is whether or not it creates the feeling that the author intended to create in the reader, whether for good or for bad. So whether the author wants to make the reader feel happy or sad or irritated uh, or frustrated, which, which is what Jane Austen does in Emma, right? Which is why I can never finish it, why I don't want to finish it. And I always joke that maybe that wasn't a writing experiment that uh, Jane was doing and you know, it didn't work out the way that she wanted because there's so many people who just don't want to read it. But, you know, she was trying to figure out, can I make them 
be so irritated? Can I redeem this, like, irredeemable character? And I think in the end that the answer is no. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people like it still, you know, just not as many as, like, Persuasion or Pride and Prejudice. But good for you, Jane, for being willing to push out of your comfort zone that much. And uh, so you're going to pick this moment, and the thing that I want you to really focus on, besides the things that we talked about in Story Boot Camp Episode 1, where we're talking about uh, using the different senses to display different emotions, you need to do that in this scene as well, and you're going to hear in my example how I do that. Um, But you also need to start as close to the action as possible. So you're going to see in my story that I share with you that I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to reveal something that gives you foresight into why the um, this little story means so much. But also you're going to see that it starts where the game starts, the game that my father-in-law used to play with my kids and with my husband and even with me, uh, where he would have these like little surprise quests and surprise gifts. Because that's one of the points of this story is that we just really uh, went into this place with him. We weren't sure exactly what we would be doing, but he had a plan just like he always had a plan for how he thought our day would look. And he was, of course, flexible because we had three young kids. But so that's why I'm going to start at the moment where the action is happening and not do like a lengthy setup. I don't want you to do that now for this exercise. And in fact, I don't want you to do that ever in your writing because there's so much competition. The writing world is completely oversaturated with stories, which is a good thing, right? Because we get more meaningful stories that way. But you need to prove to the reader why they should choose your story first within the first page. And you might be thinking, That's too much pressure, but it's not, and I'm going to teach you how to do it, and I'm going to give you an example. So uh, today, I'm going to read to you the introduction to a short story that I just wrote. I just sat down at my computer, and I wrote this for the last 20 minutes, and I'm being as real with you as I can. Like, I'm not working on this thing and then, like, editing it to death and then showing you something perfect. I want you to understand how my writing process works and how I'm a normal person. I'm not an amazing, like, prolific, past prolific writer, which I still need to think of a name for that when you're, like, not just really good, but, like, the most amazing, you know, like a genius writer, but something that's, like, prolific, but that means more than that. I suggested uber prolific to my husband. He's like, no, (laughs) we need to have, like, our own word for that. So I'm still searching for that word. Uh, If you've been listening to the show for a while, this is probably, like, the fourth time I've brought it up. So if you have an idea for what the word could be, please let me know. And um, so this story is called Papu in Paris. Papu is Greek for grandfather. And you're going to hear some references to living in Greece in this story. And but the thing is, like, if you just picked up the story, and you don't know anything about me, you're going to know enough in these uh, 500 words to understand a snippet of what my life was like at this point in time. And that's the thing. And I didn't, the better you get, the fewer words you have to spend to be able to tell your story. Okay, so we're going to start. You can see my iPad reflecting off my glasses if you're watching online live on the Literary Symmetry channel. Okay, so Papu in Paris. It was the last time we ever did anything overtly touristy with my father-in-law. 
but none of us knew it would be the last time. And I thought of that opening line after I already sent myself the file, so I wrote it on a post-it note. It didn't matter that the walking paths along the Seine smelled like urine. The lack of public bathrooms wasn't something that any of us needed to adjust to. It was just like home, Athens, except that everything in Paris felt completely foreign instead of mostly foreign. And the bridges, they were everywhere. And walking beneath them was a unique pleasure, especially with a tiny hand cupped gently in your adult hand. I looked ahead as my father-in-law, Alan, stole equal glances of the beautiful city and my adorable oldest daughter, Xena. She kept pointing at things and telling him all about them as if she had been here before, or as if her nine-year-old mind understood how important this moment was and how nothing would ever feel quite this exciting again, at least not in the same way it had as she strolled along the Seine begging her papu to stop for macarons. We will, Xena, I promise. But before that, we need to find you and your sister something you should only ever buy in Paris. We had already eaten almond croissants and fresh French bread. I couldn't imagine what he was talking about. He loved these games with the kids. It was the same game he had been playing since my husband had been a child. He always waited until the last possible moment to reveal his plan, reveling in the slight torture his surprise trips, tri surprise trips caused the children. I think we all miss that about him, even though sometimes his surprises turned out to surprise even him. You can never tell when one was going to be something truly amazing or a small scheme that almost didn't make sense. It was all part of the game. We crossed another bridge as we headed into an area that was clearly full of tourist-centered shops. I still couldn't guess what we were looking for as I glanced down the narrow lanes full of colorful scarves, artwork, and trinkets. I could smell the drifting smoke as I watched the shop owner finish the last drag on his cigarette. Our entering through the doorway signaled his obligation to return to work. We're looking for berets, Alan said proudly. We need them in hot pink and purple. Both girls were wearing match matching purple shirts he had bought them at the Disney store in London, depicting Rapunzel as she watched floating lanterns drift into the sky. He had gone to the laundromat nearest to our Airbnb in Paris with my husband to make sure all of our clothes were clean. Six people, six backpacks. That was how we traveled in those days. Even my small son had a backpack slung onto the back of his stroller. The berets have to match their shirts, he explained to the shop owner. We, of course, the man responded. He went through the pile meticulously, searching for the right colors and the right sizes. It reminded me of the storybook that I used to listen to on tape over and over as a child, Caps for Sale. I could hear the man from the tape yelling in my memory, Caps! Caps for Sale! Fifty cents a cap! I broke out of my reminiscent fog as the modern cap peddler pulled out two caps one a bright purple, and two pink options. Oh, see, I would have to edit that because he technically pulled out three. That's an inconsistency. A light pink, the color of a ballerina's shoe, and a bright pink. Fuxia. I heard the Greek word for, for, for fuchsia in my head. I knew which one each girl would pick. Purple for Xena, the nine-year-old, and fuchsia for Kati, who was almost seven. 
And that's that's all I got to today. Like that's the introduction. So this you can you can uh, get the idea that look, um, and I'll probably put somewhere in there the fact that we were Americans living in Greece who had traveled to London and Paris with my father in law. He was there for work. And we had this amazing trip. But what we didn't know is that it would be our last big trip as a family with him because he sadly uh, died in 2018 as the result of a skiing accident. And so um, we had been planning a trip with him across the United States to move from California to Pennsylvania, and he was going to help us move. So uh, the Paris-London trip was the last touristy kind of trip. We had also been planning to uh, go across Italy on a train. He loved doing that kind of stuff. He always used to take my husband to travel around with him. And so what I'm doing is I'm working on this uh, trip as a memory to give to uh, my father-in-law's sister because he kept talking about her while we were on that trip. He went and bought her a special present that I'm going to talk about in the short story. And, you know, money's tight right now. I'm not going to lie. So I'm like, what can I give her that will be meaningful that I don't have to spend a ton of money on? And I was like, why don't I give her this memory? Because one of her pictures that she loves is the picture of my father-in-law holding my oldest daughter's hand as we're walking through this um, town square in Paris where we went and bought macarons right after we went shopping for these hats. So I thought I'm going to write the story of how that picture came to be so that she has the memory to match the story. And you might be thinking, Kristen, why are you telling me what this story is for? Because I want you to understand that every story is for something. And I I know that you might be hesitant to write this kind of thing because you're like, I write fiction. This doesn't apply to me. But I'm telling you, please pick a moment that is meaningful to you. You're going to write the introduction of this moment, and we're going to work on this story together as we go through Story Boot Camp. And then we're going to switch things, and we're going to work on a small fictional story. But you cannot do the fictional story unless you do this part. So you have to trust me. You have to trust the process. I'm giving you a free inductive writing course where you're learning the things that you need to learn in order to be able to write so that you can compete with this giant market of other writers and creative stories. Uh, And part of that is you need to go get story filters, literarysymmetry.com forward slash story filters. You need to read that or listen to it or watch it, whichever thing you want. And then, uh, yeah, I would say the next thing you need to do is get right this way, which you will be prompted to after you go through the story filters, because when you have these filters in your head of how to write description, you'll notice that none of the description in this story is just for the sake of describing things. And that's what you need to avoid. And that's what I help you do in story filters and in write this way. And, you know, my writing did not start out like this. If you want, if you're curious about how my writing looked 10 years ago in story filters, I give you an example of an introduction to a book that is awful that I wrote and I tell you how I would fix it now. And so I don't want you to have to spend the next 10 years 
<laughs> going through what I had to go through. So that's why I'm doing Story Boot Camp. But if you want Story Boot Camp to work better for you, you need to get story filters and you need to get right this way so that you understand all the things I'm leaving out of my story that I would have written in there 10 years ago. So your homework, should you choose to accept this mission and this boot camp, is you're going to write 500 words. And remember, it needs to be... Uh, a moment that means something to you, that has meaning, that you find valuable. It doesn't matter whether it's sad or happy or whatever else. Maybe it's like the first time you got hired at a, at a, you know, for a job or a promotion or the first time you met the person that you fell in like your first love, any of these moments. It could be when you figured out the perfect chocolate chip cookie recipe, okay? I could write a story like that because my chocolate chip cookie recipe is amazing after months of testing. And then my daughter took it and perfected it even more. And that would be a fun story, right? About how I worked so hard on this recipe and then she made it even better without my help, which is like, oh, because she doesn't need me as much as she used to. But also, oh, that's cool because she's learning how to make things better and improve things on her own without me, which is exciting because that's what I want her to do. I'm trying to raise someone who can be a successful adult, and I don't mean successful money-wise. I mean someone who can manage on their own and be independent and make good choices and live the kind of life that they want. And, yeah, so that's... <laughs> Those are those are just some random ideas that I had if you're like, I can't think of anything. Or, you know, you could write about Thanksgiving. Remember in the last episode, I did an example where I was talking about a, a awkward Thanksgiving moment because Thanksgiving is coming up in just a few days. And you it can be anything you want as long as there's some meaning involved. And I want you to try to use the sense details or the fact you know, like it can be like the scent smelling like urine, which why wouldn't you care about that? Well, Paris is so beautiful. You don't care. I'll tell you that. Uh, and that's what I was trying to convey in the story that you're like, oh, this is amazing. I don't even care because you also know that there are no public bathrooms, which I talked about in the introduction. Um, so you need to think about how you can incorporate details in a meaningful way. Remember, no details that don't have to do with this story or why this story makes you feel the way that it makes you feel. So like I said, go get story filters. But also for your exercise where you're writing your 500 words, start as close to the action as you can. So for example, if you're leading up to a Thanksgiving type argument, you don't want to start five days before that. No, no, no. And you might be like, well, Kristen, I see lots of movies doing that. They're only doing that because those things that they're telling you are important to what the action is that's going to happen. And also because they've already had someone pay for their story. You haven't had anyone pay for your story yet. You need to start at the action, as close to the action as possible because of what we talked about and how there are so many stories to choose from right now, which is great. But once again, it's more difficult to get the reader to buy into your story because of that. So 500 words, a moment that means something special to you, using details to show emotion, no details that don't belong there, and start as close to the action as you possibly can. And then we're going to um, finish up this the second part of this story, uh, and then we'll do one more episode on the third part of the story, and then we're going to catapult all of those things 
into fiction writing, which I'm really excited about. And that means I'm going to have to come up <laughs> with a fictional short story to share with you. And once again, uh, remember, like, these are not perfectly polished things. And if you and I don't expect them to be and you shouldn't expect them to be either. And if you want to share them online, uh, use the hashtag on Instagram. You can take a picture of your story and use the hashtag story boot camp. OK, because I'm going to be checking on those. I can't wait to see what you come up with. I'm really excited for this boot camp to keep going. And uh, I hope that you have a great rest of your day, wherever you are, whenever you are. It is never too late to write the story of your heart. Bye. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristin.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing. <laughs> <laughs>